This is the AV Podcast Games Edition. Hello and welcome to the AV Forums Gaming Podcast. This is the podcast for the month of March. Um, we recap the PlayStation 4 announcement, SimCity Woes, the BAFTA Awards, a £1,000 graphics card from NVIDIA, Assassin's Creed 4, and all the reviews from the boys. That was a bit of an over-enthusiastic enjoy too much. I am, of course, Steve Hill, and joining me as always is Mark Botright. Hello, Mark. Evening, Steve. And, of course, Steve. Hello, Steve. Good evening. And we also have Leon. Good evening. Let's jump straight into the news, fellas. We discussed the possible announcement of the PlayStation 4 last month, and lo and behold, the rumours were true. Um, who stayed up late to watch the, the live stream that we uh, we so nicely um, hosted on AV Forums? I tried, but I fell asleep. Steve and I were kind of having this uh, Twitter conversation as it was happening, and... Um, it, I, I, th- I thought it was actually quite a decent presentation. I thought it was pretty good. No, it was all right, but I think I think it bombed after the first hour. After you know, all the interesting bits got out of the way, and they announced a few games that nobody was really bothered for. You know, but the the biggest bombshell, of course, the biggest schoolboy error was announcing the console without actually showing us the console. But I suppose that was planned. But it's not really a console announcement. It's just more of a, a new controller announcement. Yeah, I was going to say. So at this point, I, I'd love to ask you guys when's it out. But of course, they didn't tell us, did they? Well, we've got the speculative holiday 2013 whether that's in America or Japan nobody knows so someone will be getting it by Christmas and the and the other key question of course is how much will it cost but they didn't tell us that either no I think though it wasn't to be fair to Sony it wasn't actually an unveiling of a console it was it was billed as that by everyone commenting on it but they they billed it as the future of PlayStation so you know they, they had a little bit of wiggle room there to kind of just put a few little tidbits out there for people to kind of chew on and they didn't really have to actually show you the physical machine. Yeah, true. And uh, there's been some pretty hideous mock-ups that have uh, shown up online. I mean, that's not so important really, but the the, the features were key and um, and they didn't really disappoint on that front. There was some stuff we were expecting, um, you know, the, 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 the streaming that we speculated that might be there via Gaikai, that kind of came to fruition. Uh, but all of the social media integration and kind of sharing that stuff all looked great, did it not? Yeah, I've got to say, I think they've they've certainly they've certainly looked to try and mix it up a little bit. Um, but it's kind of trying to keep people into that whole console ecosystem, trying to keep people there rather than having them reaching for the mobile and you know taking to Twitter or, or you know heading off onto other sites or you know opening up the browser. It's trying to keep people. In there, a bit like the the Wii U tries to do with the with the Miiverse, and so therefore it's it's got some great features. I mean, with on live, um, the idea of the viewer, you know, was something that piqued a lot of people's interests, and this idea that you can spectate a friend, you can you know watch what they're playing and that kind of thing, just seems you know it's it's innovative, and I just hope that it's it's put into practice well. Yeah, do do you think that really matters to gamers? Uh, the 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 slightly older gamers, the the guys that are kind of maybe getting married or have kids, you know those guys. Whereas, you know maybe the younger the younger generation kind of wants this platform where they can kind of show off and um, you know be a legend in their own living room as such. It, it, is it important or is it not so much of a big deal? I think it it's it's a question of whether you think that the the games come first or whether whether consoles have evolved into into something more as something you know a kind of little social hub so to speak um they've never yet really made it that far with with sony lacking uh 
cross-game chat, um, and this almost seems like a, a kind of move to rectify that. You know, it's tying you into games whether you're actually playing or not. It's making you power up that system. So you know, as well as with the the Vita and uh, remote play, it's that idea that you're always going to be connected to it in one way or another. And so I, I think it it is important, and certainly with the the rise of the mobile market and the tab tablet market that this idea that you can kind of get all these different multimedia functions but actually make it relevant to the games rather than simply well you know here's a browser that you've got on x other boxes under your tv anyway and that kind of thing well one one area of the presentation i thought that really did shine was um the the announcement of games and the exclusives that they had some of them were obviously a, a little bit off the wall and a little bit strange uh, and some of them were kind of, we've kind of seen before and some of them were, were brand new um, I liked some of the stuff. I mean, Killzone Shadowfall. I mean, it's another Killzone game, which is fine. But I mean, they're they're obviously very careful to show actual gameplay this time, rather than some sort of pre-rendered trailer. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah. But it did look really good. Um, so I like that, and that, that's the thing. I think it's um, what I was kind of disappointed was there wasn't a lot of chances taken. I mean, there was some like nebulous Square Enix stuff where they said we're kind of working on some sort of game somewhere. But a lot of what you got was existing franchise, colon, new subtitle, um, which is a little disappointing because, you know, you want your watchdogs and stuff like that. I mean, the watchdog presentation is just, my hype for that game is through the roof now. That watchdogs looks amazing. It yeah, looks like about four different types of games rolled into one. Yeah, I agree. And someone tell us about Jonathan Blow's um, weird, kooky little uh, presentation. I mean, did he want to be there? Did he not want to be there? It was really, really quite odd. I don't know. I don't. I can't. Couldn't really tell you what the game is either. To be honest with you, I mean, I've watched the trailer and whatnot, but it doesn't make a huge deal of sense to me. Yeah, I mean, he's a, a strange guy anyway. He's quite famous for um, googling himself, and anywhere where he's kind of mentioned in a negative sense, or you know, someone comments on him, even on the most obscure forum, he's known to actually kind of make an account and reply to that individual or that 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 comment so he's a bit of an off-the-wall character anyway and i think we spoke about uh indie game the movie a few podcasts back where he features quite heavily and uh it was just the, the this presentation was just basically him on stage talking about his um his new project which is a, a ps4 exclusive but it almost felt like he kind of resented the fact that he had to be a part of it or be a part of this corporate vehicle did anyone else pick up on that yeah he's not a corporate person you know he's he's not somebody who lives in front of cameras and, and lives for the limelight and stuff like that i mean he does you know he's got some sort of weird thing trawling the web for every time his name comes up so he can go and speak to them but he's obviously not a stage person but then again neither one most of the people on there it was it was a lot of stilted corporate presentations of people trying to get laughs and then dead silence but yeah, I, I think the game will be interesting if it's anywhere near as good as Braid anyway. Well, basically, Mark, it was just a kind of weird sort of forest scapes and jungle scenes. Would that be correct, Leon? Is that how you saw it? it, was, it maybe... I mean, I saw that, but I, it had like some weird connect the dots maze puzzles in there somehow, and then weird celtic music. And then Sounds right of... up your street, to be fair, Mark. <laughs> I was going to say, it sounds great. It certainly had that look and vibe about it. So lots of kind of puzzles in this weird, called sprawling landscape. Uh, ones to keep an eye out for, that's for sure. But it sounds like that. I mean, they needed to twist someone's arm to kind of 
make it seem as if it wasn't simply going to be more sequels and more of the same you know if if you've got this new technology and you're showcasing all these different ways that you can supposedly utilize it to then bring out sequels two three and four you know that kind of thing you needed something a little bit different and you know, they they seem to have a, a reasonable array of games. Yeah, I don't think there was any. Was there any sequels in there amongst the ones that they were kind of championing? I think it was all new stuff, wasn't it? Well, it depends well, on the definition of new. Has to I count. Mean, true, very true. Yeah, okay, Killzone. Infamous. You're a fan of the series. I know Ben's a fan of the series. Who can't be with us today, um, but I know that both you guys were excited when that one um, kind of it looked like they're about to start that presentation. We were all tweeting, and that that. That that looked good. I, I don't think it looked amazing. Um, kind of sort of looked a bit like more more of the same, really. Yeah, I was hoping it'd be the same sort of the same character, the same, you know, Cole McGrath. But any sort of way they can relive the franchise, I mean, it's got to evolve at some point. But it looks it looks really interesting. I mean, the the idea that there's more people than just Cole out there now that have these abilities, you know, to control electricity or time or whatever they can do. The new setting, that new sort of apocalyptic futuristic setting it looks i think it looks pretty good and it's got a, a fair chance of being you know sort of the game that assassin's creed you know should be and like similar to Watch Dogs in a sense you know this new open world yeah well watch watch dogs look great that was obviously stand out uh beyond look decent i think we're all you know fairly excited for that but what was that other game it just looked total rubbish the um it, was, it kind of looked a bit like Zelda, a bit like... Um, written Knack or something, I think it was written Yeah, Knack looked really, really odd, really strange and, and not really very interesting or exciting to me. It looked a bit kiddie, to be honest with you, a little bit, you know, for a, an immature audience. Fair dues. And uh, what about other features? Um, any other kind of standout features that really caught your eye from a media perspective or, or anything like that? I mean, for me, it was all about the the architecture change obviously they've moved away from the cell and they've gone that was a bad idea let's just do x86 architecture instead which is what the 360 is on and it's what developers find easier to to use and they're more familiar with so i mean it has ramifications for you know backwards compatibility that's why gaikai is so important because they can't exactly emulate the cell or anything like that and the architecture is so different that they have to kind of use some new solution which is the gaikai stuff so that's quite interesting and i, I do believe i called them saying that, that they should do some sort of developer friendly thing and that's exactly what an x86 architecture is yeah i know uh, fair to you uh, you certainly did call that one so basically what they're saying is uh, if you want to demo a game you just hop on uh, to the PlayStation Store, give it a quick demo via Gaikai or wh- whatever it will be in in that instant. But basically, the same principle is on live. You just stream the game, and if you like it, you buy it. Sounds good. Will it work? I hope so. I like the idea of not having to necessarily download the game before you can play it as well. How that will work, oh, I've no idea. God, but... yeah. Who's who's ever been pulling their hair out waiting for a, a, an update to download when all you want to do is just play the game? So annoying. Especially when you've got half a megabyte internet connection, it is yeah. That's very true. Yeah, you have to get two hamsters in the wheel yeah. turning, get that data in. <laughs> Eight gig of RAM was a nice surprise as well. DDR5 as well. People seem to just be freaking out about that. Oh, it's DDR5, so great. Um, but being as though these consoles are going to have like crazy dashboards and multimedia stuff and background downloading and you know memory is going to be at a premium. So eight gig is very nice. I, I think to me that just basically says it's future proofing. You know. Uh, as I alluded to in the in the last podcast, you know, modern PCs can really get away with four, unless you've got any kind of real crazy needs for extra uh, system RAM. So it it just suggests to me, you know, 
lots of future proofing and I, I suppose if they really want to try and take on 4k video at some point through their on-demand service which is being mooted then um, then that's something which you know would obviously come in helpful in that front um, but how much of an impact it will have on games I suppose it's down to developers so long they've had these limitations and now at least if they don't have that anymore they they're free to kind of go wild in the aisles I think um, one of the other features suspend in game states probably uses that's probably a lot of memory you know it just freezes your game you can turn off your console and then press the power button and boom there you are again does the Vita do that I'm sure the Vita does that right yeah yeah that does it yeah. drains your battery like a bitch oh does it that sounds yeah. like a beautiful feature though you know just press the power oh, button yeah, come brilliant. back on and there you are yeah I suppose it's efficiency isn't it you know if you've got a tool like that or the technology is available it just makes sense to implement it hmm. um what do you think of the uh, controller? Was that um, a bit of a surprise to see touch, um, you know, touch pads on there? I mean, I guess it's kind of a given in this day and age, right? I, I honestly thought they they might not show the controller, but I suppose there were so many leaked images that you it was know, like the first thing, wasn't it? If I remember correctly, they, yeah, kind of rolled it straight out there. Um, Touchpad, uh, I'm not sure about that. I think I was going to say, well, you're you're a Vita user. I mean, how's it working out for you on the Vita so far? Uh, on the Vita, it, it very much depends, but generally, it's it's not a feature that I, I've found that I've really loved that I felt was you know integral to any game, maybe other than Little Big Planet. Um, beyond that, it's it's very much the kind of thing that it's you feel like developers are, are, have to tick a box to say yes, we've put in touch functionality there somewhere, you know. Um, but other than that, the the pad, you know, I can see it. It's had that subtle redesign. It, it looks a little bit chunkier. It's they've managed to certainly put a curve on the secondary triggers, which is a very good thing. And now the the um, analog sticks are sticks are going to be concave, so that should be you know another little plus for it. But the motion bar, you know, the little light bar, so that you can use it for motion sensing and that kind of thing, it still has that little bit of a a whiff of like. Um, you know, like with the six axis, the the motion control, you know, the tilt control, that kind of thing. That you know, other than seeing it in an Uncharted game where it really wasn't very welcome, there's not really been a great deal of use for it. Yeah, and hopefully they won't be ridiculously expensive like the uh, the DualShock threes were. I remember, I remember there was like a pricing mistake on Sony Online one time, and it was like a mad rush to buy controllers just because it was the first time they were fairly priced. Yeah, um, but I suppose out, out of all the things that they've done with it and out of all the things like, you know, touch pads and how advanced it looks, one of the biggest things is headphone jack. Um, oh, that's right, yeah, that was kind of, kind of a cool thing. What, do we think that's going to be for full um, stereo game sounds or is that just going to be for chat? I think it's just got to be for, you know, um, bundling in a headset and making sure that everyone's talking because, you know, one of the key criticisms of... PSN has been, you know, you can talk all you want about dedicated servers and the like, but if no one's talking, it just makes, you know, certainly FPS is just not that much fun. So, I mean, who are you going to abuse and be racist towards <laughs> if you can't just <laughs> <laughs> open that channel of communication? To the annoying kids as well, and that'll be all right. <laughs> The old Sony headsets, which are so uncomfortable, and look, you know, at the end of the day, for all its faults, in-game chat is just such a massive part of making new friends and having a laugh with your 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 existing friends. And you look, you know, you're always going to have morons. You're never going to get away from that. But you just, it's such an important thing for me. 
did anyone think that when they were doing the Drive Club presentation, they should have just come out and gone, look, we know Polyphony Digital isn't going to make a Gran Turismo for like 10 years, so we've made one for them. That game looked absolutely amazing. That was just car porn all over. <laughs> yeah, blue chip driving games are kind of, you know, it's a very important thing that you associate with Sony consoles. And of course, that is Gran Turismo. And look, you know, even if it's kind of half the game that Gran Turismo is, it's going to sell by the absolute bucket load anyway, and especially with next gen graphics. Um, yeah, it looked like a winner. It definitely looked like a winner for them. Destiny's coming. I think I fell asleep by uh, <laughs> by that point. Um, yeah. It's kind of the risk you take when you watch something at, at that time of night. So Bungie uh, used to be exclusive to uh, Microsoft, and now, of course, it's kind of gone in the extreme op- opposite direction and will be exclusive to um, to the PlayStation 4. This is a really ambitious project. Well, they that- didn't say it was exclusive to PlayStation 4. I mean, that's the only next-generation console that's been announced, so... I, yeah. You know, it did, it did it for the moment. Does seem like a big, uh, a, a kind of a very, very big statement, doesn't it? All right, well, let's let's put aside the exclusivity thing for for one second. Even so, the project sounds amazing. This persistent world, um, you know, a kind of hybrid of WoW and a first-person shooter, and you know, elements of Borderlands rolled into one. I mean, this, this could really, really be something. If they can pull it off, certainly. And I mean, if anyone knows first-person shooters, it's probably Bungie. Um, and it does sound pretty cool, Persistent Online World. So and the premise sounds good. It's like a society that's been invaded by aliens and then another benevolent set of aliens come and like park a big ship over one of the last cities and protect them and, and stuff like that. So it, it sounds interesting. So, yeah, we'll, we'll see. I, I honestly don't think that it's going to be exclusive to PlayStation 4. If Bungie did that, wow. That would be crazy. So, I mean, do do we think that this is going to be a key part of whatever next gen consoles come out? These kind of hybrids of of what have been the big titles in this last generation, like Call of Duty, and trying to kind of get the success of something like WoW, which is actually on the decline. Do you think the world is ready for you know a a first person? multiplayer online thing where you know people are getting into clans and just going back to the same worlds night in night out Mm, I I agree I I think there's a lot of potential but it depends on what the pricing policy is is it subscription based the cost model is going to dictate it it always has for for consoles and why you haven't seen the MMOs really take off on them yet they've been a mainstay of PC gaming for what you know kind of five six seven years now well, let's say the, the experience was great. Let's say they nailed it, or at least they got close to what you believe it should be. What's it worth to you? You know, what would you pay for that kind of experience? Mark, I'll throw it to you first. Have you ever been, you know, someone who pays uh, any kind of subscription model? No. Um, I'm trying to think. I don't think I ever have. I've taken up the occasional MMO you know, just trial period and never really been bitten by the bug because as soon as I, I see the cost, I just think, it. you know, you've got to invest so much time into it. And so the trouble is, is it something you, you even visualise yourself ever doing? Uh, I was very excited for um, the Old Republic, but again, the, the lots of things just didn't really catch me with that game. Um, but I think, yeah, if, if they could get this, you know, persistent online world going and if it did have 
should we say, all the gloss of a typical bungee game. Um, I, I can't see why I say, you know, a fiver a month, I think, is, is the level at which most kind of console gamers would say, fair enough. But as soon as it starts getting towards the kind of £10 place where, you know, PC gamers kind of tend to spend, then I, I just can't see how it's going to work. Leon, would you reckon five five or a month? That sound about right to you. A five or a month doesn't sound like the end of the world, but I I don't want to pay monthly. I think Battlefield Three got it quite right. I pay for the game, forty quid for the game, and then premium on top of that is was it forty two hundred points? So that's quite a lot. But if it's monthly, I don't know. It's like I have to make that decision over and over and over again. And then I feel like I should be playing it, otherwise I'm wasting my money. Whereas if it's just, look, pay another 30 quid for a year subscription, you know, that's all essentially it is. Rather than, I'd rather pay it in one block rather than play, you know, small blocks over and over again. Um, so I think if they came out with a good game that I enjoyed, yeah, I'd pay 40 quid for the game. And then if it was really good and I was into it, I'd probably pay another 20, 25, 30 quid to get the premium edition or whatever it is. Yeah. Steve, what do you reckon? Because your uh, student budget allow for a £5 a, a month uh, online subscription? It would, but it just depends on entirely on how much the cost of the games are going to be for the next generation. I mean, I assume that there might be a slight price increase, which I don't mind, as long as it's worthwhile. But when you're paying... You know, when you already for like, if we're going for like the military shooters, if Activision bring another one out, they're already charging what fifty pound for their games, whereas other people are charging forty pound, thirty five pound. So, if you're gonna be paying fifty pound for the game as it is, uh, whether it's worth or not paying, you know, say if you're paying a five every month, so that's like sixty another sixty pound for the year. I'm not sure if you kind of list it as saying you pay this, but if you want to, you know, say buy some things in the game, you don't have to buy them. But if you want them, you can pay for them, but it won't spoil the game per se. Then We kind of touched on that last month, didn't we, when we talked about microtransactions and games. I honestly don't know how I'd feel either way. Or, you know, it kind of feels like to me when you're paying out for Sky and then you're paying out for your internet and then you're paying out for Netflix or Love Film and then you're paying out for Xbox Gold, all this stuff adds up, you know, and it kind of sneaks up on you. And I, th- I think... So take Sky for example. They just bought out um, was it O2, the internet company. So it's quite clear that now they're one of the big players in the um, the internet marketplace. That they're just trying to get off the satellite dish and onto the onto the pipe, as it were. And if someone like Microsoft can sign up with Sky and just say, right, here we go. Here's like a big flat fee where you get everything rolled in, all your online subscriptions, your internet, your your streaming. You know, that's going to suddenly become really attractive to people. And all of these silly little ones all over the places where it starts getting messy. But I don't know I don't know whether companies even work in that way, whether they can ever get together that way. But I don't know, I guess we'll, we'll soon find out as the year draws to an end. Or you could just download it all. Steal <laughs> it. <laughs> oh, lovely. And I'm not sure that would get you onto some kind of online server, though, would you? Speaking of uh, online servers, SimCity. Any, any, any of you played SimCity at all yet? I really want to. No, it's one of them games where I want to. Like I'm, like, I want to get it, but I haven't got a good enough PC. I don't think. And the servers sound like they're having a, a whale of a time at ruining everyone's experience at the moment. Yeah. So SimCity, EA, in their infinite wisdom, decided that uh, SimCity would be an always online game. And you know, I kind of understand them protecting their investment. All well and good. I think you'll all agree with me. If it works, 
and of course massive problems this week for uh, all of the new purchases of the game getting online I, th- I don't think anyone in the states can get online at the moment so they're trying to get on the EU servers and of course the game isn't really officially released here in the, the UK at the time of recording so everyone's using VPNs to get on and luckily enough I think everyone on the forum seems to have been able to get into the game just fine but frustrating when you want to play a game that you've been so excited for all this time and people are losing their save games they're losing their progress so EA's um, solution is uh, is to turn off key online features such as leaderboards and achievements the stuff that's actually key to always online just to make it work seems crazy doesn't it trust EA to go and piss everybody off who's bought the game we'll sort it out we'll just annoy you a bit more this is the problem with the always online though thing, isn't it? It's it, in theory, it's a brilliant idea. But the thing is, it, it's it, it, it's for me as the end user, I can live with it because you know what, my my internet connection here is pretty stable. That's fine. If that's the kind of conditions they want to place on it to protect, you know, um, their their earnings, then fine, so be it. But it doesn't even work their end. That's the problem here. You thought they'd have tested it first, wouldn't you? Well, I think they did have a beta, and uh, all of these problems kind of came through on the beta as well but they obviously didn't have enough time to time to fix it um yeah i, I don't know whether it's just a matter of them going we don't know how popular our game is going to be it seems to be the way with every sort of online game well you'd think so wouldn't you but clearly not the servers just fell over on day one i mean I, I can't even imagine like what the data centers are like for this sort of stuff you know like millions of people all over the world all going at the same time i want to play this game right now it's got to be a logistical nightmare to do um, so I'm not surprised that it happens I'm just surprised they're not better at handling it at this point well, definitely you know if I'm if if I own a, a hot dog stand uh, you know outside a, a football stadium I'm going to make sure I've got enough hot dogs to, to, to make some money on the day <laughs> it's, it's, it's a hard thing to do though because I'd, I'd imagine like the graphs look really weird like the first week is like through the roof just millions and millions of people and then it just tails off tails off tails off until it plateaus at the bottom so what do you do buy like 10 billion servers and then they don't get used for the rest of the life of the game sorry i was just going to say this was the issue with uh the wii u with having a day one you know whatever it was one gig two gig up. everyone downloading yeah the updates yeah which was everyone was going to hammer it on day one and then after that you'd get you know practically nothing you know do they invest all that money on you know this infrastructure for what's essentially going to tail off or do they you know kind of basically take a bit of a pr bashing and take a bit on the chin and then just you know hope that it levels itself out i mean it's the kind of game where you you think they they might have been banking a certain amount on it coming out now before the end of the tax year so perhaps they couldn't have put it back any further and so they just think well you know we'll have just have to iron out the problems as we go yeah, and I suppose to an extent, you know, you kind of can live with that. But when an entire continent like the United States can't even get onto the game, it's a it's a massive, massive own goal. I, I saw a comment on the story on the, on a site I was reading where someone had said Maxis should sack EA. I thought, well, that would be great, ideally. But I'm fairly sure EA bought Maxis, hence why uh, this situation has come about. And I suppose you know when we when we get the big fish um, trying to pull pull the strings and um, call the shots, these things happen. Oh yeah, and it also it usually comes down to how good the game is as well. I mean that's how much that people kind of tend to remember this kind of thing. If it's a decent game, you know people get over it fairly quickly. And I suppose that's again the most frustrating thing is that all signs point to this being a really really good game and a really good experience when it works. <laughs> 
<laughs> Leon the BAFTAs were this week. <laughs> in our uh, pre-production, just before we uh, record a podcast, we always kind of get together little tidbits of information, and uh, we were all looking at the awards awards winners this year, and something wasn't quite right about it. <laughs> I can't believe you're calling me out. <laughs> no, no one, no one needs to know. Turned out we had all the winners <laughs> the from. Uh, knows now. Yeah, exactly. Don't let them behind the curtain. <laughs> so uh, luckily, we're not announcing the winners from last year's BAFTAs. We would have done had we not checked the data. Um, Leon, run us, uh, run us a few of the big winners. Dishonored uh, walked away with a big gong. Is that correct? Yeah, which was strange to me. I mean, I like it. It's a good game, but I didn't think it would win Game of the Year, especially being as old Walking Dead was in there, and that's just cleaned up. And failing that, Far Cry 3 was in there, which to me shouldn't have won, but, you know, popular opinion probably would have pushed it over the top. But, yeah, um, Dishonored. Dishonored wins, which is a surprise to me. Um, Journey seems to have cleaned up. I'm looking at it got multiplayer game <laughs> 2013, which is interesting. Um, you've got like Halo 4 and Call of Duty Black Ops 2 in there, but you know it's cool. Um, I, I think I think it's good. J- j- the way they implemented it was good. So you know, like five-year-old children could be playing with like people all over the world, and there was no communication and blah 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 blah. So I, I suppose it was quite a neat implementation of it. Um, wow, Journey won a lot. Artistic achievement, audio achievement. Uh, what else we got here? Original music. Yeah, J- Journey cleaned up. Uh, Walking Dead, thankfully, got a story. Hey, they already won the big award, which was uh, the AV Forums Gaming Podcast Game of the Year. So those guys can. Yeah, this is just gravy. This is so. <laughs> it's, it's all good. N- nice to see those developers and everyone sort of having their their night out and all dressed up and uh, and uh, going to what looks like a proper bona fide awards do. It's something that we need in the industry, definitely. I think the most interesting part of that BAFTA's story is that you had last year's winners. <laughs> <laughs> cool. Well, if you're going to play award-winning games, you need uh, the the hardware to play it on. Um, NVIDIA just brought out a £1,000 graphics card, the GTX Titan. Fellas, are you going to rush out to the shops and, and pick up four of these? Yeah, totally. <laughs> There's a tumbleweed going through my mind right now. We still need to get you set up building uh, a gaming PC, Steve. We need to work that out for you. Oh, well, I'm going to buy one if I can buy one as cheap as £1,000 for one graphics card. A, a couple of members on the forum have um, uh, have gone for these uh, these graphics cards. Of course they have. And, uh, <laughs> I mean, there's, there's, there's a couple of guys that um, really like to invest in their PC kit. And you know the benchmarks on these uh, on these cards do look fantastic. And the key thing about these cards is they're they're single cards as opposed to double cards, which sometimes can cause kind of driver issues or or, or rather more legwork for the end user, shall we say? But a thousand pounds, I mean that's just so much money. But I tell you what, if would I had really? the money, I would yeah. go for one because because it would be the satisfaction of knowing that you're get, gonna get. I mean. Yeah, the absolute very very best gaming experience that can be had on the planet right now you know sony are announcing because graphics yeah graphically is that what graphics equal the best the best well experience? i mean is that, is that what we're saying uh, listen we're you know we are on a home cinema forum you know the, surely the pursuit is of the you know the height of audio and visual uh experience and this is where you're going to get that I, I actually asked the question on the the PC forums the other day because I'm I'm building a new 
PC for my living room because I find I spend so much time in my office. I don't want to play games in here anymore. So I'm building this thing for the, the living room and I want to, for the first time, take audio directly out of my graphics card into my home cinema amp. And I was saying, look, you know, can I get 5.1? And it came back to me, the, the guy said that, look, basically you can get completely uncompressed audio out of your machine that way. So it should, in theory, be the best experience you can get. So my neighbours are clearly going to be delighted. (laughs) (laughs) It looks impressive, don't get me wrong. Um, But £1,000 for the graphics card alone, it sounds like crazy money. Basically, this graphics card was built for the supercomputing marketplace. And NVIDIA have kind of looked at it and said, well, there's some money to be had here if we kind of just cut it down a little bit and just, you know, call it something awesome like Titan. And uh, and sell it for a thousand pounds a pop, and, that, and that's basically what they're doing. And um, good luck to them, I guess. Steve, yeah. Assassin's Creed Four. Yep, been announced. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I think you're the only person still interested in this franchise. Hear the enthusiasm. <laughs> <laughs> That's a thing. I mean, it's all getting quite laughable now, isn't it? I was reading the synopsis, and they kind of got this character name, and it's set in the Caribbean this time. It's just like I'd I'd love to be there for one of the production meetings where they're just kind of chucking around. And, uh, you know what? They're probably not even chucking around books. They're probably just hopping on Wikipedia or somewhere like that, or sticking their thumbs into Google Maps and seeing what happens. I mean, is this, is there anything to be excited about here? It looks like it's just going to be a Pirates of the Caribbean affair, doesn't it? It looks like they said, what film's been good in the last five years? Pirates of the Caribbean, yep, first idea, right, we'll do that. Um, I mean, it can work. I mean, it worked with the Assassin's Creed game on the Vita, the Liberation, that was set in the Caribbean with the uh, the female protagonist. That worked quite well. Um, but they, they said that it was, wasn't going to be anything to do with Assassin's Creed 3. They clearly lied because it's, what is it, the protagonist said to be the father of Haytham Kenway, who is the father of Connor Kenway, so it is going to be linked with the Assassin's Creed 3 story somehow, um, which is probably a bad thing because the Assassin's Creed 3 storyline sucked absolute balls. Um, they somehow managed to make the setting quite boring when it could have been quite interesting. Uh, but I, I'm really... I mean, Assassin's Creed 3, I was I was really excited for it. I even got it at midnight... Um, to find out that it, you know, it was actually quite pants, um, but it's it's like when you see things like you know, like we mentioned earlier, Watchdogs coming out and the new Infamous, you kind of think they're just gonna be leaps and bounds in front of it, and this is just gonna be, you know, left floundering in whatever mess it's made by itself. I mean, the best game is still Assassin's Creed Two. You can't deny that. You know, the, the I think the they let the ship sail with Ezio for too long. They had to think of some crazy character for this third game. That you know the actual third game, even though there was you know f- four or five games before we actually got to number three. Um, but you know, I've, I'll end up buying it or playing it at some point. How good it's going to be, I'm not sure. I because... mean, look, they had a real opportunity to do something special with a, a kind of uh, a modern day or futuristic um, Assassin's Creed game with Desmond or whoever they choose to to put out there. And it just seems like Watch Dogs has kind of stolen the march now. You know, they're going to be too busy doing their theme games in and around, you know, various different places and moments in time. And I mean, I mean, the, the thing is for them, the scary thing is that because it's the, the Assassin's Creed, they don't want to go too modern in the future to make the Assassins sort of useless. 
they don't want to go to such a modern time period where you know guns and technology have taken over everything. So, you know, there's the, some reason to think that assassins, as soon as you know someone gets a few guns, they're completely useless. But if you look at things like, I mean, I know it's a different Mate, game. It's, it's a video like game. Man. They can get away with anything they want to get away with. Yeah. I mean, you know, an assassin's an assassin. He can, you know, hide. He can pop out of places. You know, just because somebody's got a gun doesn't mean he has to stand there and get shot. You know what I mean? I mean, if they made an Assassin's Creed within, like, the First World War or the Second World War, I would actually make love to Ubisoft because they could actually make a decent game out of that. Or, like you say, if they made one, like, set now, you know, you know, with some sort of crazy government storyline woven into it like watchdogs and you know they'd, they'd sell an absolute killing you know i mean they sell loads of copies of it now but we could get assassin's creed 70s disco edition with flares <laughs> and afros i swear i swear ubisoft are literally just trolling like the industry with this game it, it, it's absolutely ridiculous like everybody else has a million and one ideas how about egypt how about you know british uh, Victorian times or something like that. Like there are a million and one ideas, but they just decide to go on these like crazy tangents. Then they're saying like it's not going to be Desmond either in the future. It's going to be some sort of research person at Abstergo. What happened to the Desmond story? That's why I bailed like after two because it was clear that they they're just stringing it out and they have no intention to actually finish off the story that they started. Um, I think well, mate, it's, I, it's I'm quite not even clear sure they know how to at this point. Uh, I was just going to say I think the thing is is that they've clearly got so many of these versions of the game running at the same time it, it's clearly not just you know they finish a game then they start another there's there's clearly so much overlapping there i mean this with the eight studios working on it they it's you know they're following that idea of right well we'll keep it coming out we'll keep you know one out each year and so there's got to be so much overlap there that it's hard to get any kind of you know solitary creative force you know kind of guiding the series all the way through well, that's it. After Assassin's Creed 2, the guy who was at the helm, uh, Patrice Ever, I think it was, he left, didn't he? I'm, I'm guessing left because back he saw the implosion. Patrice <laughs> Ever? The left back for Man U designed it. Well, no wonder it's going have, downhill. Have, have, I, have I said the wrong thing? <laughs> I think you oh, might have done. done. <laughs> Leon Matthews, ladies and gentlemen, clearly not a sports <laughs> fan. Uh, was Nemanja Vidic on uh, a supporting role on that one? <laughs> Creative design, oh, Nemanja oh, Vidic. Oh, no. <laughs> No, sorry. <laughs> Patrice Desolais, he was the guy who was in charge of like the Assassin's Creed series, and he, he just disappeared after Assassin's Creed 2. Ironically, he went to go and work for Take 2, and then uh, Ubisoft bought the studio. Oh my god, the poor guy. <laughs> yeah. But maybe they can bring him back. <laughs> but, you know, it's, for want of a better phrase, you know, there's nobody at the helm, even though there's going to be lots of naval combat in this one because everybody loved that. Well, hang on. Apparently, so. apparently you, can, um, you can dive down and ride whales. Wow. Great. That's, that sounds like one of the crazy tangents that were going off on one day. Let's ride whales. Let's have porpoise races. <laughs> <laughs> Why on earth would anyone if want can, to ride a whale? the whales with my hidden blade. Yeah. A whale with a knife tucked under its fin. Uh, moving on, fellas, you've been reviewing games for the site as per usual this month. Uh, Leon, you've had the enviable task of playing Aliens Colonial Marines. I think we've been waiting for this one for about a decade. Am I wrong? Yeah, it's been in development for quite a long time, or it's existed in one form or another for quite a long time, and they've managed to stop making Borderlands for five minutes and push it out the door. Tell us, do you know any of the history behind the kind of scrapping of the old material, and was it was it anything to do with Prometheus? Were they trying to tie things into that? 
Um, I don't know. From 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 what I gathered, I haven't really looked massively into it. But from what I gathered, they were too bu- too busy making Borderlands, and there's some weird rumours about funds being siphoned off from this game to make Borderlands Two, and not enough resources being put to it. But basically, I fell into the same trap as everybody else on the internet did, which was they put out a video saying, "Hey, check out this Aliens Clone of Marines game. Doesn't it look cool?" And then they brought out a game which looked nothing like it, and was rubbish, basically. <laughs> It's the, possibly one of the most generic first-person shooters I've ever played. Um, I actually wanted to be playing Doom 3. I may as well have been playing Doom 3. It How was that can they get it wrong? I it, mean, you know, you're talking about one of the most amazingly atmospheric and scary genres and, uh, you know, stories from, from you know, most people remember way back to their, like, early teens and kind of grown up with through all the movies, you know, the, the kind of the motion detectors, you know, the... the the beeps and the dots showing up on your HUDs. I mean, how can they get that stuff wrong? Yeah, it writes itself, doesn't it, really? Um, but the way you get an atmospheric and scary game wrong is by not making it atmospheric and scary, um, which what Aliens Clone Marines isn't. It, it's possibly the least scariest game I've ever played. It, it's just a corridor shooter. It's as simple as that. I mean, it's got it ticks all the boxes. It literally reads like somebody went and watched Aliens and went, right, so we've got to have a pulse rifle in it. We've got to have a motion detector in it. Um, and we've got to have some turrets in it and then they did that and concentrated on that and just forgot to actually encapsulate what Aliens actually is which is you know that moody kind of suspenseful almost horror like feeling that you get you know it's it literally is again the internet could write it for them you know you're wandering through little caves with your motion tracker out and switching between your guns so you can see where you're going and aliens are hunting you you know it, it can't be that hard but for some reason they decided just to make basically another a shooter where you shoot dudes behind chest high walls it's, it's literally you're shooting men for like 60% of that game aliens you're pretty much not shooting them and then when the aliens do come out they're just ridiculously rubbish shame and the multiplayer was, was, was that at least you know did that hold some value at all the multiplayer holds more value than the single player to be fair um, it is quite good it's kind of that um I want to say asynchronous but that's the asymmetrical that's the word I'm looking for it's kind of that asymmetrical the marines it? <laughs> You're never going to let me forget this now, are you? <laughs> they've got like the Marines on the one side, and then um, they've just got obviously the, the normal firepower and whatnot, and then the aliens are on the other side, and they can run on every single surface. They can spit acid at you from miles away. Um, they're really powerful melee attacks and stuff like that. So it does seem quite weighted towards the aliens. I mean, the Marines really do have to work in a pack to sort of repel the alien attacks, whereas aliens can kind of just run around and, and slash at them. Um, it's essentially that kind of left for dead kind of multiplayer right. sort of thing. Um, and it is it is okay. Yeah, I'm not going to lie. I, I did vaguely enjoy it. Um, but it's it's not going to not Call of Duty off the top spot or anything. And it's not enough to make up for a very poor single-player experience? Certainly, certainly not. I mean, I'm not your biggest Aliens fan in the world, which is surprising, because it's in space and it has guns in it, and that's right <laughs> down my street. But they just missed. They, they missed by such a large margin. It's unreal. I remember a friend of mine was um, looking for work uh, straight after uni, and he got a job games testing at Sega, and even back then, I think this was years. I mean, you were talking maybe six, seven years ago. They were doing stuff for this game back then. So it just seems such a crazy waste of time and resources. And really, what is just such a great license. Um, 
massive shame. So I guess coming to a bargain bin near you soon. I mean, it, yeah, it's had one of the quickest falls in price that I've seen for for a long time. Um, I think that the trade in price went like below twenty quid almost a week after or something like that. It's, it's fairly ridiculous. Um, but I think I think they stabbed themselves in the foot to be honest. If they hadn't raised expectations so high with that, I mean, you can go on on YouTube and watch comparison videos, and it's night and day. It's it's kill zone levels of lying basically uh, so you know they, they kind of got what they deserved ultimately because if they hadn't missold it then people wouldn't have been as disappointed as they are Steve you've been uh, reviewing for the site as well uh, Metal Gear you've been playing that one yep uh, the new Metal Gear the Metal what's, Gear what's, revised what's the subtitle on this one Sins of the Patriot Fathers Uncles Sisters Brothers something no, it's even worse Rising Revengeance so they've kind of made their own word and sort of stuck it on there for, you know. Sorry, I think I misheard you. Did you say Rising Revengeance? Yep, I did. That is revenge and vengeance made into one word. I'll let you sit on that one for a bit, yeah. Sounds, it sounds like NVIDIA's next graphics card, doesn't it? Yeah, um, yeah. This, I mean, that's about as crazy as it gets. I mean, despite the name being absolute, you know, shambles, the actual game itself isn't that bad. Um, it's not a Metal Gear game in the sense, you know, of the Solid Snake, you know, sneaking about in cardboard boxes sort of thing. It follows Raiden, who people thought, you know, he might suck a bit as a lead character. Could been quite the emo Nancy boy he was in Metal Gear 4, you know, <laughs> moping about the place. But it's actually not that bad. I mean, it's set, um, I think it's set just after the, you know, after the events of Metal Gear 4. Well, um, you know, in between this sort of period we've got between Metal Gear 4 and what's supposed to be Ground Zeroes coming out in a while. Um, he's off, you know, he's a sort of, uh, don't know what you'd call him, some sort of, you know, rogue bounty hunter, vigilante working for the government, taking down uh, these companies that are making cyborgs like him. You know, he doesn't, you know, these companies are making armies of people that are sort of up to his sort of level of cyborg you know capabilities so yeah it's you know despite it having some sort of you know sort of crazy gameplay with his you know riding sword and all this slicing things into tiny pieces the the storyline is you know as deep and confusing as any sort of metal gear game you know i mean it's changed from you know kojima didn't actually work on this one himself per se he gave it over to platinum games to people behind bayonetta and uh, vanquish so, I mean, they've taken it on, but they've done a, a good job of making the storyline quite complicated, as, you know, Kojima would. But by the same time, they've made it sort of interesting, and there's actually some quite genuinely, you know, funny moments and humorous sections in there, you know, some kind of in-jokes in the cutscenes, which are quite, you know, they're quite well done um, and transfer quite well. And, you know, it's not surprising, really, because, you know, they've put a couple of good games out, like I said, with Bayonetta and Vanquish, so... So they've, they've, they've is it a game in, in in the same vein as those uh, those other two titles? Yeah, I mean, you know, their you know Vanquish was their sort of shooter, but Bayonetta was their sort of melee combat as well, sort of thing, and it kind of follows suit there. You know, they've got the melee combat with his you know Raiden's powerful sword, and you know a flair for the, over the top combat. You know, jumping in the air, slicing things up, and you know, um, you know, sort of impossible jumps and moves, you know, he sticks his sword in his boot and whirls it about at 3,000 miles an hour, this sort of thing, but it all looks, you know, fantastic, you know, there's no sort of... And you were playing on 360? No, this was on the PS3. Ah, okay, right, fine. 
Um, yeah, so that's an important thing. This one's on the 360 and the PS3, whereas other one, you know, Metal Gear games were just on the traditional exclusives. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, you know, it's it's a good move, really, because you know, I think I think they're going to start seeing the next future Xbox. I think will eventually have Metal Gear on it. You know, I think is sort of realise that the Xbox community wants the Metal Gear games. I mean, did the HD collection release on Xbox as well, I think? Is there that much value in Metal Gear anymore? Does the, I mean, is it being an exclusive or a non-exclusive really really matter to anyone anymore? Um, I, I mean, I reviewed the HD remake for the PS3. I mean, the, the Metal Gear games are still good, but I think it needs to kind of evolve with the times. I think, you know, I think games have moved and you know with the the, com- the convoluted story and you know the the time it takes to things to happen and all this complicated nature of metal gear i think people more want something to just to get the teeth into rather than just to you know like grind through i mean you know it's i think they're the but that sells though yeah i mean you know you are talking about one of the games with one of the most fanatical followings and you know as much as you know i don't know a half hour cutscene might sound absolutely mad to the rest of us you know to Kojima fans that kind of thing is, is you know relative catnip. yeah but that's not enough anymore though is it Mark you've got to you've got to get yourself new fans as well you know you've got to is it not enough if you're selling millions upon millions and that's that's well, I doing don't know. well I guess that's what I'm know? asking I guess that's what I'm asking really do they still sell you know by the bucket load the point is, is that there aren't enough they're not Along yearly, like like your Assassin's Creed, like your like your Call yearly of Duty, Assassin's so therefore Creed you can keep the, every six months now. Six yeah. months, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, so you can keep the same formula because by that time, you know, no one's really getting that sick of Metal Gear Solid because as long and arduous as some of the cutscenes were in Metal Gear Solid Four, the fact is, is that it it's been a while since you've had a proper Metal Gear Solid entry, and so that, you know, after a few years, you start thinking. Yeah, you know, you will go out and play the latest version of it. You know, enough people will go out and buy it. So it can kind of keep the same general gameplay cinematic ratio going. I I don't think that really needs to change that much, which is why it's, you know, such a bold move to send this game out and allow Platinum to, you know, make this kind of slasher type brutal melee game out of what was the most staid, you know, uh, very very concerted very steady uh stealth title and your reviews out on the site at the moment steve yep yep it's available now um well moving from one um new iteration in a series uh, we head over to catch up on dead space 3 uh leon we mentioned this last month um your reviews now out there in the wild um what do you think of it? Apparently, uh, a slight departure from its roots. Yeah, I mean, when you asked me last time we recorded, I think I was I just reached like the good part, and then after that, it kind of just went downhill. Um, it has kind of gravitated towards the third-person shooter action genre, which where every game appears to go. Uh, I will probably get there with the Tomb Raider later, but. Yeah, every game seems to want to be a third-person action shooter now, and Dead Space is no exception. Um, it's quite disappointing because you know Dead Space was a pretty decent, almost survival horror game to begin with. It maybe took over Resident Evil's kind of mantle in that sense, but now, you know, chest-high walls again, and I'm shooting dudes with headshots, and I've got assault rifles and shotguns. So it's it's a little disappointing. I'd say it's massively disappointing. I mean, you know, 
taking that risk or it's not even a risk is it you know I think it's just, it's kind of just playing it safe rather than sticking to the game's roots and what was so so brilliant about it and I think you nailed it it was it fitted that Resident Evil survival horror niche so perfectly you know the first game was so creepy um, and, and built you know at such a nice pace so it's definitely disappointing to hear um, multiplayer though is that is there still value to be had in that no, they've chopped multiplayer completely. It's, gone. Um, it's in. Yep, it has gone completely. It's gone in favour of co-op now. Um, which again, who wants to play Dead Space in co-op? I want to be on my own in the dark with headphones on, wandering around a spaceship <laughs> on my lonesome, getting jumped out from corners. You know, I, I don't want my, my best mate going. All right, mate, what'd you do last night? <laughs> what sort of friends do you have? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, I don't want people ruining my atmospheric experience um, in co-op. Saying that, the co-op is actually fairly decent. Um, it's a lot of optional missions, and um, the secondary co-op person, although he's a sergeant in the army, so again, kind of like a shooter, um, he's being affected by the marker, so he sees a weird, twisted version of events. So you'll just be wandering through levels, let's say, looking at tables, and he'll see. I don't know, spaghetti or something because he's being affected by the marker. So he'll come over the mic going, oh, what's all this spaghetti doing around? And you're like, what are you doing? You're insane. That's that's <laughs> not what's in this level. So so that's kind of cool in a way. Um, but beyond that, the, the whole game, what's even more frustrating is the game that I want is in there. Literally about six hours in, there's a portion of the game where you do a spacewalk, it's kind of open-ended um, you're in this little shuttle and you, you move between ships and you can go outside and use your suit to, to find stuff and fight fight necromorphs and you can go inside the ships and it's basically exactly what you want from a Dead Space game they give you that and they, they leave you alone you can go and do loads of optional missions and spend as much time as you like there, but once you leave that area it's rubbish. Well, rubbish is harsh. It's not Dead Space anymore. It's an, a third-person shooter in Dead Space's clothes. It's a shame. Mark, why are, Why is someone straying away from a tried-and-tested formula and uh, and playing it safe in this way? You know, well, why, why can't game developers stick to their guns and their convictions and, and give us what we want? I think it's, it's about how often they pump out the games, as we were talking about with Kojima, and, you know, sometimes they just want to push for something new so perhaps it's i mean the survival horror genre is one you know if you look at the the progress of or lack of progress of resident evil you know people quickly seem to kind of tire of that you know just being on your own and having limited ammo and so therefore they you know pumped in more guns and so you know it, it's it's faltered along the way until what it's now become which is a bit of a travesty um and i think dead space is kind of following the same same general lines unfortunately though the reports that it was going to get axed look to be perhaps untrue but it, it definitely seems like three's got a little bit of a kicking and, and rightly so yeah it's a shame yeah, i'd love to i'd love to know the process in-house because they must do market research and they must you know kind of evaluate what they think buyers want and gamers want and and kind of pin their colours to the mask based on that. I think the trouble is with the space setting to a certain degree they, they might think is it getting too samey you know are the, are the corridors the same is the you know the general kind of bleakness and darkness of it all like with, like with Silent Hill you know you say to yourself well 
have they tired of this you know if we release the same general formula will people just say oh this is just more of the same and we hate it or as dead space people actually say no you know we found it really refreshing the whole kind of solitary man in space and the spacewalk idea was was what actually drew us to it it is tough it's 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 hard because you know it's it's a balancing act there's keep what made the series popular and not make people get bored of it and then change it into something completely different it's it's kind of what do you do i mean the problem with dead space is it's a good game as well like i say in the in the review you know it couldn't look any, or sound any better it's absolutely beautiful so in, in that aspect they've they've done a great job but they've added stuff to the series like this wep- whole weapons crafting system that they've added it's brilliant it's great it just shouldn't be in dead space just should be in something else so they've obviously got a good idea why not put it in a new a new ip it's because they're scared and they want to bank on the dead space name because they know people will buy it but then you end up disenfranchising the fans and you know it's it's a catch-22 situation they're afraid to do something new but they're messing up their existing franchises by forcing these ideas in because they don't think they can keep it the same it's 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 a hard choice but Ultimately, they, they've made the wrong one with Dead Space. Crisis 3, Leon. Another one that plays it safe, or is this one sticking to the formula? Um, Crisis 3, this is slightly different for me because I haven't actually played all of the Crisis games. Um, I, I know of them and I've seen them. As you, I can't remember whether it was off-air or on-air, you were, you were talking about Crisis and the first one being ridiculously nicely looking and people upgrading PCs and, and that sort of thing. So I've known of it and it's a graphical prowess for a while, but this is the first one I've actually sat down and played. Um, it's not the most innovative shooter you'll ever play. Um, it's got the whole suit power, so you can be super strong or invisible or super fast and stuff like that. Um, but it looks really, really nice, and they do some interesting things with the story. Um, the question we have to ask ourselves, though, is, like the first one, is it before its time? Because it crashes a lot. <laughs> and I couldn't even finish the game. I, I was literally five minutes from the end of it, literally, boss fight, shoot last bullet at him, crash. Every single and what, you, time. So you'd re you reload your your save and it would still still crash in the same way. Re- reload save, automatic saves, not manual saves, by the way. So I've only got one checkpoint I can go back to, lest I restart the entire level. Um, yep, cr- crashes wow. every single time. Reinstalled the game. Um, you know, turned my Xbox off and on. Left it for a while. Let it get a bit cooler. <laughs> uh, what else? I did clear out my cache. Uh, prayed a little bit. Um, prayed to the gaming stuff, gods. But no, literally. Oh, I, t- I tell you, it's possibly one of the most frustrating things. I, I mean, I've played a lot of Xbox games, but I've never found one which literally wouldn't let is me finish Is this common? Is the, have um, you read? Uh, have other people been having this this issue at all? Yep, it's it's common, and not just on the Xbox. It's common on every single platform, PC, PS3. It crashes yeah. on the last boss. Some people have crashes all the way through. Um, you know, you've got to wonder. It's it's a beautiful game. Is it before its time? You know, is it pushing? all of the platforms too much that it, that it can't handle them because a lot of people are having issues um, and it's a shame because having read the story on Wikipedia I'm not going to go and watch it because quite frankly I'm still bitter um, I, it sounds quite good it sounds quite good and, and they've done a good job in it and it soured the experience for me right at the end on, on the last note um, so yeah it's, it's yeah, pretty well, what, what we were speaking about off air before was I was saying how the original crisis kind of came about and led everyone to kind of realise that their their PC hardware was kind of not quite up to scratch because they couldn't max crisis i.e. max all the settings so it kind of really drove 
PC hardware sales for a while, and I was I was wondering whether there was any kind of coincidence in the fact that this Nvidia beastly one thousand pound graphics card came out at the same time that Crisis Three has, and suddenly everyone's kind of asking that question again, saying, "Ah, oh, this game will bring your PC to its knees." You know, I need to I need to upgrade my my gear. I need to get whatever I can to make it um, run at the absolute optimum. Um, so you know, maybe maybe there's something in that. Maybe maybe it is a, a little bit ahead of its time. Um, I'm not sure. I've I've read a lot of forum posts of angry people um, saying saying things, and some people doing silly things like playing entire levels again, which quite frankly I'm no way interested in doing because it's not the best shooter in the world. I mean, yes, it looks great, but graphics don't make a good shooter. I'm still shooting dudes behind chest high walls, yeah. <laughs> which I seem to do a lot nowadays. Sure, sure. So you know, um, th- that said. It has some good ideas, and the multiplayer is okay, apart from the fact you can be completely invisible, which is the most annoying implementation of invisibility in any game ever. Overpowered? Way overpowered. Invisibility and a shotgun equals throwing controller. (laughs) I mean, it sounds pretty overpowered, doesn't it, really? Yeah. (laughs) We're not just talking, you know, Halo 4 levels of, oh, is that a person that looks like a shimmer going past me? We're talking invisible. (laughs) well annoying but apart from that the multiplayer's okay um but yeah crisis it's a, it's an average game that looks really really nice and sometimes breaks well looking back over all of our, our games that we've talked about today every single one is uh a new release in a series of games sim cities an old series of games assassin assassin's creed 4 is like the 12th assassin's creed game we've had now Aliens, Colonial Marines, Metal Gear, Dead Space, and now Crisis. The games industry really seems to be stuck in a rut at the moment of all of these kind of, you know, next in the series of franchises. Hopefully this next generation is going to start bringing us some new IP, some new new content. Mark, surely it's about time. Yeah, I think it is, but I think it's it's also about how well things sell. You know, when something sells, then you just you know keep on with the same formula um i think that so much has been made about how great the games look in the presentation for the ps4 but so little is really being made about say what the extra ram and what the the power is going to do for physics and things like that i think that's where everything is going to get very interesting you know when you look at things like watchdogs uh, it looks fantastic. Um, the key is going to be how well populated that city is going to be, and it looks like it's going to be very densely populated and feel like it's, you know, like a proper organic environment. I think that's that's really where the future is going to lie. But the question is, if it becomes a hit, are you going to see Watch Dogs two, and is it going to carry on with the same thing, or will they perhaps follow, you know, Bioware, whether you you know, love them or hate them, have always tended to kind of make a few games and then take what they've learnt and take the engine and kind of port it over to a different setting and try to kind of mould into a slightly different type of game. I think that's what you know we what? need. You, you make a good point, actually, and I don't know why I'm so resistant against it. I suppose it's kind of following the Hollywood model. It's very in vogue there at the moment. You know, you had masses of Harry Potter movies and, you know, masses of uh, Twilight movies and, you know, really that's the holy grail for any... F- film studios to find a, a, a series of franchise where you can make multiple multiple films and um, and keep that you know cash coming in so 
can't really be that surprised at the games industry, does it, as well? Can we really? No, you find a rich vein and then you mine it. The problem is, you know, when when a new IP does come out, people gravitate towards it so much. Like, stuff like Mirror's Edge, you know, people people love that. Okay, it might not sell in droves, but people really do gravitate to, towards new IP. Has anyone seen Remember Me? It's an, another game that's in development. Um, Next-gen game. Look, looks brilliant. Some some really good concepts in that game. Haven't seen it. Now, I mean, what kind of what sort of thing are you seeing? Um, it's it's basically based on futuristic type deal, and there's a woman who goes in and basically hack people's minds and change their memories and stuff like that. So I think one of the demos that they gave was um, there was a guy who shot shot his wife or something, and you go back in and you change the memory in his head to make him think. Well, no, he didn't shoot his wife, and you go back and change the memory to make him think that he did it, and then he kills himself. You know, some some crazy stuff like that, right. off the wall stuff. Um, which isn't just again shooting dudes behind chest high walls. Yeah. Um, you know, it's it's super interesting, and every time it comes out, people people just love it. So I don't see why the industry is so risk averse when new IP, when successful, can be very profitable. Yeah, definitely. Well, you know, when you've got people like um, Blizzard signing uh, deals with PlayStation and kind of those walls coming down and. You know, high hopes for the next generation. As I've said before, you know, I make no secret of the fact that I still believe the best gaming experience is to be had on a PC. But by no means is the social interactions or the um, the sharing of stuff that accessible. You know, you have to dive into different applications and 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 really know what you're doing. And and sometimes, you know, when it's brought to the masses in the way that the PlayStation Four and hopefully, I'm sure Microsoft, when they announce their kit, you know that that will uh, also bring down some barriers and announce some some new bits and bobs as well. More stuff to be excited about. Uh, so that brings this month's podcast to a close, uh, fellas. What are you reviewing in the next month going forward, Steve? You you've got the big one, Tomb Raider. Yep, uh, Tomb Raider. Then we've got things like Lego City coming out towards the end of the month, and the new Sly Raccoon as well. So. Serious one to start with, and a couple of little uh, little ones for the child inside me at the end of the month. <laughs> Plenty to keep you busy yeah. then. Uh, Mark, what are you up to? Uh, I'll be looking at the Castlevania on the 3DS. Having a look see what happens with that one. Um, not entirely sold on the new direction, but it, it's one that I'm very much looking forward to. And beyond that, uh, Scribble Noughts, hopefully on the Wii U. And yes... Very much keeping it Nintendo-centric this month. Good stuff. Leon, how about yourself? You keeping busy? Yeah, more chest-high walls. Um, <laughs> I, got, I got Bioshock Infinite, which actually looks amazing. Um, so there's that. And then Gears of War Judgment. First really big one of the year, isn't it, Bi- Bioshock Infinite? Or am I being unfair? Uh, you might be being unfair to stuff that's already been out. But yeah, I'd say it's probably the biggest game that's come out this year. But then Gears of War, although the internet seems to hate Gears of War, so we'll see. I don't know, I just don't know if I'm excited this time around. But um, look, you know, I've had so many great experiences with, with those games in the past that it's definitely worth a look. Don't forget that we publish a new podcast every week here on AV Forums. On the 7th, you have the Movies Podcast, Games on the 14th, Home Cinema on the 21st and Podcast Extra on the 28th. Uh, Massive thanks for joining us on the podcast. Uh, As always, we really appreciate your support. If you can hop on iTunes and give us a a few thumbs up or 
10 star ratings or whatever it is they do we do read your comments of course on the uh, on the forum in our podcast threads so um, feel free to give us some feedback uh, good or bad we don't mind um, I've been Steve Hill um, thanks to Mark cheers Steve thank you Steve cheers thank you Leon no high five is me high five Leon high five <laughs> uh, and we'll, ca- <laughs> we'll catch you all next month content including sound clips and music is copyright material and featured for promotional use only. The AV Forums podcast is copyright M2N Limited.